What does it mean to have your conscious contact improve? Sometimes my conscious contact improves when a newcomer reminds me of a very basic fact, and that is God did for me what I never imagined could be done for me in my life just by turning my will over to this program. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, howdy, howdy from deep in the heart of Texas. That, ladies and gentlemen, was the voice of Mr. David G that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And guess what? You are going to hear so much more from him in just a moment, but first things first. You got it. This episode right here, the one you're listening to right at this very moment, is brought to you by Gerhard and Tiffany. You know what Gerhard and Tiffany did in their off time? They went to our website. They put in the URL www.soberspeak.com. And then once they arrived at that URL, they looked in the top right-hand corner. They saw a little yeller donate tab. And they made a contribution. So thank you so much, Gerhard and Tiffany. This episode is coming right out to you guys. As normal, we're going to let all the other folks listen on in, but this episode is going right out to you, Gerhard and Tiffany. So, so appreciate you. All right. I will be, I, John M., will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So, take a seat around this virtual table and let's get started. And that virtual table has become much more prevalent within our society over the past couple of weeks. I'm sure you know what I mean there. We have had a plethora, I just like using the word plethora, a plethora of new folks joining us in the super secret Facebook group. And keep in mind, this is a Facebook that is a Facebook group that is free. Uh, We have a ton of like-minded sober individuals and people in Al-Anon and other 12-step programs in there. And we would love to have you as part of the community as well. All you got to do, it's very simple. Send me your email associated with with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and we will get an invite right out to ya. To ya. To ya. I don't know why that just sounds so weird to me. 
I'm going to talk about my week a little bit, and I, I don't know why I'm going to do, I just feel called to do this. Obviously, we are going through an unprecedented time in our history. I personally have discovered some, uh, some new meditations uh, through searching the apps that I have, and, and uh, somehow, some way, this is hard for me to explain, but I, I have experienced those particular meditations more deeply than I have in the past. In the past, I've able to been I've been able to find some yoga classes online uh, that I was not normally doing, and and believe me, I am a creature of habit. So I got out of my routine a little bit, and I was able to experience those uh, uh, yoga classes, and and they have been a real life sign, uh, 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 a real. Uh, comfort for me, and they've been able to help to fill my soul. Uh, I've noticed that when I'm out taking my walks. By the way, right after I'm finished recording this, I am going to be out, going out, and uh, doing another walk here tonight. And but I noticed that I've been kinder to strangers, and I noticed that anytime a song comes on that I haven't maybe heard in a little while that has a either a spiritual or a relationship component to it. That song has hit me deeper uh, than I than I normally would experience those things. And I, I'm assuming that some of you have had those types of experiences as well. I've been somewhat emotional this week. Uh, I, and you know, I have a tendency to be kind of an emotional guy anyway. But I could tell you this, my best day was Saturday. <clears throat> And on that day, uh, several things happened. Number one, I was able to record an episode of a future guest that we'll be releasing uh, soon. And uh, by recording that guest, she was absolutely out of this world. And it made me get out of myself for an hour. It was like attending a, a really good speaker meeting. And I can't wait to share uh, that message with you all at an upcoming date. Uh, also, I received a, a message from Brenda J. Many of you know Brenda J. from listening to this podcast. And she sent me this and she said, Good morning, John. Just wanted to wish you a happy day. May you be filled with God's peace and may life's road rise to meet you. Let's make today special for others in it together onward, exclamation point, onward in love, exclamation point. And that just really helped me to reframe uh, the day and to, and to get me in the right mood and to, to set me on for what I needed to be thinking of and what needed to be top of mind. Then later that night, that same Saturday night, I was able to host one of these Zoom meetings, virtual meetings, or remote meetings, whatever you want to call them. This one was actually by the technology Zoom, but nonetheless, it really doesn't matter which technology it was. Uh, but uh, this meeting was set up by Sarah G., who is David G.'s wife, the same David G. that you're going to be listening to after I shut my yap. And Sarah G set this uh, meeting up and uh, uh, asked if if I would be willing to uh, to to uh, not host, but uh, to what do you call it? Chair the meeting. So I said, sure, I would be willing to chair. And uh, you know, she did all the work. All I had to do was sit there and call on a couple of people. But anyway, I was attending that meeting. At the end of the meeting, I had seen Sarah do this previously, and she asked if anybody wanted a quote desired ship. 
And, uh, you know, I always thought, well, how are we going to do this if somebody does want a desire chip? But I went and just went ahead and did it anyway. And you know what? Somebody there in that meeting, his name was and still is Julio. Uh, Julio raised his hand. And guess what? It was his first meeting ever. Yes, his first meeting ever. And he took a desire chip, you know, virtually. And I couldn't actually hand it to him or, you know, shake his hand or give him a hug or anything like that, which I wanted to. But I, I mean, I was, I was just my mind was blown. And I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's in his first AA meeting ever. And I'm chairing it here. And he wants a chip, you know, because we explained what the chip is, was about and he knew what it was about. And oh, it was just absolutely fantastic. And I told him, I'm so, so sorry, Julio, that you had to experience me as the chairperson in your first meeting. Believe me, Julio, it is all uphill from here. <laughs> then I started thinking about you guys during the middle of the week, and um, it made me think about the new people who who can't attend meetings. And I've received several emails this week. Some of them I'll be able to read this week on listener feedback. Some of them will be next week because I, I just haven't had a time to get it all sorted out. But there are people out there who are newcomers and just can't make it to meetings. Um, and, 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 and I've been thinking about you guys and praying for you guys and just wondering how you're doing. And I'm just so thankful that so many of you either write me via email or, or communicate with me on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the case may be. And, 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 and it just, it, it is a solve for my soul. Do you say that solve or solve? S-A-L-V-E. I know what I'm saying, right? It soothes, but I don't know if you can pronounce a solve or solve. Nonetheless, you know what I'm saying. And so anyway, I was thinking about you guys all throughout the week. And there was another thing that happened. There was a lady in that same Saturday night virtual meeting that, oh, this just caught my attention. She had four children depending on her as she was laid off from her job. And and it just, I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I know that there's a lot of people going through some troubled times out there. I don't have the answers to any of this, you know. Uh, all I know is that my job is to draw closer to you and to draw closer to the God of my understanding. And anyway, so, uh, and with all this, I know, I know I'm just one guy out there with one experience. And all of you could get behind the mic and share your own experiences. Uh, my, 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 my experience is not special and or unique. And I know we're all in this together. I talked to my sponsor today and my sponsor said that he did the fifth step over the phone a couple days ago. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, it's just, you know, it's the times we're living in. I've never done a fifth step over the phone. I think I've done, I mean, with somebody else, nor have I received one. Uh, and so it's just, it's a different time we're living in. And finally, before we get on to David G, if you will indulge me for a moment, this, ladies and gentlemen, is a personal note. I found out this week that a, a woman who was a mother figure of mine passed away at the age of 98. I love you, Mrs. Duncan. Wherever you are, know 
pleased that you were an incredibly wonderful person and role model for me. What a kind soul. If my life can add up to be half of what yours was or did, I will be a lucky man. You touch so many lives in so many ways. And I know many of you listening out there have friends or relatives in your life that are just like Mrs. Duncan to you. Mrs. Duncan was born in May of 1921 in Denton, Texas, and she passed this week. She passed away this week, about two months shy of her 99th birthday. She married Mr. Duncan in 1942. Mr. Duncan thought that she hung the moon, and you know what? He was right. They were married for 64 years until Mr. Duncan died in 2006. Mrs. Duncan had a heart as big as Texas and a smile to match. Both of them always invited me to their home during the holidays when I had nowhere to go, and she truly, truly made me feel like I was one of her own. During my first year of sobriety, I can so vividly remember sitting on their couch and crying my eyes out, and I didn't even know why. I just kept saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with me. Have you guys ever been there? And they would listen to me and just let me sob away. One day, about a year after I was sober, Mrs. Duncan called me, asked me if I would come by the house, and I agreed. And when I got over there, they said they'd been thinking about me and my education. They offered to pay all of my expenses related to going back to school. I mean, who does that, folks? Who does that? I took them up on their offer and ended up graduating from college. And, you know, in my family... That is a big deal. It's a very big deal. On my father's side of the family, I can think of one person that graduated from college. Uh, On my mother's side of the family, there was nobody who had ever graduated from college. And it was a big, big deal for me. One day we were having a conversation after I got sober. uh, Mrs. Duncan said to me, uh, I think I was probably around two or three years sober. She said, remember, John, you are worth it. And for some strange reason, those words had a significant impact on me at that time, and they still do until this day. And if you're listening out there, I say to you folks, you are worth it. Marge always told me, she says, you know, John, you are a good kid. She said, you're a good kid, John. And every time I look at my own children now, and I tell them, you're a good kid, I think of Mrs. Duncan. I tell my kids that practically every day, and they believe it, and I learn that from her. How many times did I enter the back door of their house and hear, get on in this house, John? (laughs) That house was a house where I always felt welcome, and I felt safe and encouraged. As as the years rolled on, I realized it wasn't just me that uh, Mrs. Duncan was showering with affection and love. This was a way of life for her. People and integrity, not things, always came first. 
She had a few favorite sayings. One of them she used to say is, she'd say, John, I'm deaf out of one ear and I can't hear out of the other. <laughs> oh, and she had, oh, she had a list of, I, I could go on and on, but uh, we have to get to this episode. Uh, but there is one that I wanted to end this with. And she said, I don't mind dying, John. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> but ultimately, though, our maker comes after all of us, destiny, to bring us home. Mrs. Duncan, wherever you are, I look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you. And thank you for being there for me when it mattered so much. Now on to David G. David G is going to talk about, um, well, he, number one, he's going to talk about the, uh, the June 5th Sober Speak Live event we're going to be having. And uh, we're, you'll hear us address that during this episode. Uh, we'll get more uh, information up on the website if indeed that happens. It's on track for right now. I know that's a few months out, but obviously we will need to take a look at that uh, that event closer to June and, and I will keep you posted. Uh, obviously David's going to address step 11 in depth. Uh, he talks about frustration and early sobriety, how his friend Zig had an influence on David's practice of step 11. Uh, he talks about meditation and then he talks about how his fish tank helps him keep a conscious contact with the God of his understanding and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mr. David G. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy, David G. Yeehaw, we are sitting here with Mr. David G. again. Hello, David G. Hey, everybody. All right, so David, uh, most if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, um, you will be familiar with David G, his voice in his uh, episodes. We we actually started this journey. When I say this particular journey, we had done some things the first year I was doing this, but during the last year, you, and I don't know if you know this or not, I'm sure you don't remember the timing, but you were one of the first episodes I had at the beginning of 2019. It was called Steps 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most listened to podcasts that we have out there. And after you did Steps 1, 2, and 3... I had somebody, actually a couple people write in and ask if, uh, uh, they said it would be a good idea, please, if you could continue the rest of the steps with David. So we started that over a year ago now, and we did four, five, I think six, seven, and eight. I can't even remember, but we've kind of split it up. And now we we did all the way up through one through 10, and now we are on step 11. So first of all, David, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and give your sobriety date if you wish. All right. I'm David, uh, alcoholic. I guess I say that. Uh, I got sober on September 15th of 1993. All right. So today we're going to dive right into step 11. We may get to step 12. I doubt it. But, you know, if we get there, we get there. If not, we'll just do step 12 some other time. All right. So step 11 says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. What are your thoughts on that? I was about a year and a half sober 
I'd had this amazing spiritual experience. You know, part of it was a product of a somewhat of a blinding light moment. Um, the day that I realized that I had never worked the 12 steps, even though I'd been in AA for a long time. No, let me just stop you there real quick. When you say blinding light moment, are you saying that you literally had some sort of spiritual experience or just a realization? All right, let's go to that. So I'm sitting in my living room. I have a half-empty bottle of Slitz Malt Liquor Bowl. It's been about six hours since my last hit of cocaine, and I am contemplating the reality of my life. My pregnant wife of four weeks had left me, my parents had moved her away, and I was going through some sort of mantra that I was never going to have anything of value in my life, that I had been to AA many, many times, picked up many chips, tried hard, and I always came back to using and drinking. And during that mantra, I had some sort of, I'd call an emotional breakdown, and as I was sitting there, the thought shot through my mind that this is what it means to be powerless over alcohol and have your life be unmanageable. And at that moment, the morning sun hit the vertical blinds in my ghetto apartment and blinded the tears in my eyes. And I had the clear recognition that I had been a regular member of Alcoholics Anonymous since 1987 and had never worked the 12 steps. Then hmm. I stood up and I went to the, the Trinity group of AA and I waited for one of those big book thumpers to walk in, those people that I didn't want to listen to because they were so annoying with their quotes and, and their carrying on about spiritual experience and God. And, and I asked him, would you help me work the steps? Would you show me how? And, uh, and that's where it started for me. And since that day, I have not had the compulsion to use or drink. Now, I had had that experience many times just from the gravity of my consequences. Um, when those consequences were on me and I was going to meetings every day, I would not have the desire to drink. And I still had that lurking notion inside of me that, you know, eventually the consequences were going to wear off and I would have that thought cross my mind and that I would take a drink and I would be back to square zero again. Um, so, anyway, so flash forward to about a year and a half sober. I've had the spiritual experience. I've worked the steps. I've had multiple sponsees. I started sponsoring when I was about six months sober, when I was well through my ninth step amends and um, had started the practice of 10 and 11. And, um, and I'm at work. So I work at this office where there's no one there but me. And I'm cold calling people for a business where the people I'm cold calling me cold calling have no idea who I am, and I'm trying to get them to buy dresses sight unseen from these program packages. And just getting through to the owners of the store was virtually impossible. And I would sit on the phone for two to three hours a morning because uh, that's all I could emotionally take. And then I would go to the noon meeting at Trinity. So this particular day, I had just broken the second phone that I had broken in about three months, losing my temper when someone told me never to call their store again <laughs> and slamming the phone down. Fortunately, I was alone in the office, and so no one saw me do this. And when my boss would come back in, he would always say, oh, we have a new phone. I said, yeah, I didn't like the old one. And um, so I had just broken my second phone, and I'm driving down the tollway trying to get to Trinity for the noon meeting, and I'm having another one of these mantras in my head that, you know, these people I'm going to the meeting with, the noon meeting at Trinity, the non-smoking meeting was pretty much people with 30 years plus sober. There's a few people in their teens sober, and there's several people in their 20s, but a lot of 30 and 40 year sober guys, and then me, this relative newcomer with less than two years. And I had a ba you know, babies on Medicaid. Um, I lived in a really uh, uh, poor part of Northwest Dallas. I had a job where I was barely covering my bills and my amends. 
And I just thought to myself, these guys have no idea what it's like to live the way I have to live. They're all retired attorneys and have, you know, uh, uh, money coming out of their ears, driving their Mercedes. And, and I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to let them know that maybe if they had the pressure on me to survive in this world and support my two little, my little babies and my wife, uh, that maybe they wouldn't be so freaking spiritual all the time. And so this is crazy, but at the last moment, the light turned red, turning left off the tollway onto Forest Lane, and it was a long light, and I knew it was going to make me late to the meeting, and I think I almost broke my steering wheel. I was having such a tantrum. And I pull into the the meeting, and I'm about five minutes late, so there's no way I'm going to get to bring up this wonderful topic I was going to spit all over everybody. And they, they didn't do the how it works and everything at that group. They just read the, the uh, preamble and started the meeting. And when I went and sat down with my cup of coffee and my hand was still sort of shaking, this guy, Zig, who I'd known since I'd gotten sober and I still know today, he was sharing and everyone was laughing, which was not a good place for me at that moment <laughs> because I thought these people were just so happy because they had lives that I, that weren't like mine. And, um, and I started to listen to what Zig was saying, and he was saying that he really felt embarrassed and bad, and he didn't know how to deal with it, that that morning when he was locked in his closet with the lights out, that his kids knew that he was in there, and they kept running by and banging on the door, and here he's sitting there trying to get quiet with God, and he's opening the door and screaming F-bombs out the door at his kids, <laughs> and that he felt really like unspiritual, and everyone's laughing, and they're carrying on, and all I can think is, what is this man doing in his closet in the dark? Because I wasn't doing anything like that. You know, my, my prayer and meditation at that point really had not matured past the kind of five alive thing. Get on my knees, ask God to keep me sober, read a couple paragraphs of AA literature, and get up and go on about my day. I had not done anything like that, much less lock myself in the closet. So I asked Zig after the meeting, hey, can I talk to you? And he had me come up to his shop. He was a, a body guy, car guy, and I sat in his office with him, and he talked to me about what he did. And how he would read stuff and then he would get quiet with it. And he was uh, something he did every day without fail. And that I needed to set up something that would make that a habit of my sobriety. And that's what I did. I, I had a fish tank, this fish tank my dad had given me. And I just, there was a shelf under it. And I set my AA books under that shelf. And every morning I would get down and sit at that, that place and read daily reflections and read something out of the 12 and 12. And then I would sprinkle the flakes on top of the water. And I would think about what I had read as the flakes went down. And as soon as the fish had eaten all the flakes, that was the time. And I got up. So you set up a routine for Set yourself. up a routine. Something that worked for you. Something that worked for me. And this is individual for everybody. It, it is. You know, that's not what Zig did. I did what I did. So here's the, the second part of that story, and it won't be quite as long as the first. So about six, seven years later, I was losing it a little bit. I was acting out in some old behaviors that were hurtful to people around me, spending issues, romance issues, and I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know why I was having these problems. And at one of these days where I was really, you know, coming to, to head with things, you know, I was looking at bankruptcy possibly from credit card abuse. I was looking at uh, uh, problems with my wife because of some of the inappropriate flirting I was doing with people. And I just didn't know what was going on. And I sat down with Zig in his office one more time. And he said to me, he said, well, tell me about what you read this morning. And I said, well, you know, I didn't read anything this morning. Well, what about yesterday? And I'm like, Zig, so, you know, we bought that new house 
about six months ago, when we got the house, I got a new, bigger, beautiful fish tank, but there was no shelf under the tank. So I moved the books over to this drawer and end table across the room. And I can't remember the last time that I sat in front of my fish tank and read my books. Now, those things would seem unrelated. As some of our friends at at the Frisco group say, when the house is on fire, paint the fence. This would seem like painting the fence when the house was on fire. But I recognized at that moment that I had truly stopped working the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous for six months and was frankly lucky to be sober still. Wow. So... Going back to the step again, I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that step in my head. They're sought through prayer and meditation. So you covered that, you know, one of the incidents that you had when you were trying to, to set up a routine, if you will, um, and how that uh, could have negatively impacted your sobriety. But it says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. When you think about that conscious contact with God, what does that look like for you? What, what, what kind of image does that conjure up for you? You know, I remember in like the late 80s, this is when I was trying to get sober. I would get months sober, but not years. And I remember there was this lady at my NA group, and she would talk about letting go, and she would be real dramatic about putting her hands up and putting her problems in her hands and like tossing them up to God like you would toss a pigeon or something. And it was so irritating and frustrating to me to even hear the tone of her voice speaking with like such spiritualness. You know, I just, why was it frustrating? I just think at that point, I just couldn't relate to it. And it like grated against my self-will that this deal for me at that time was about doing the right thing, practicing self-control, that I just needed to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I didn't recognize how powerless I was, how I even needed, you know, there's that line, who, who wants to do this stuff? You know, it's in the first page of step one of the 12 and 12. Who wants to do these Who things? Cares Why all this insistence on hitting bottom? Because I hadn't admitted complete defeat. Well, I can tell you I admitted complete defeat on September 15th of 1993. And so at that point, I began the journey of recognizing that I couldn't do it by myself, like a baby learning how to crawl. And I didn't see myself that way. Of course, I've always been a know-it-all, so anything I thought, I thought was right. But the fact is, looking back 26 years later, there is an enormous difference. So when you talk about improving your conscious contact, Emmett Fox describes it as a person, as a little boy, walks up to a, a a chain link fence and they have to maybe even get a step ladder to get over that chain link fence or have their parent lift them over the fence but as they get older they can climb that fence by themselves and when they get to be a man they may be able to just jump over the fence so a lot of these things that i needed as crutches yes i do those same readings every day i read the same books over and over they have new meeting to me every year i'm at a different place every year different situations they hit me a different way however my need for those things hasn't lessened, but my ability to go to God with my problems has gotten so much easier. I mean, I can, there was a time where I would almost have to call my sponsor for anything that upset me. I just could not find my way out of these things. And today it can be as simple as taking a deep breath and closing my eyes and remembering that God has done for me things that I never dreamt were possible. And so at three days sober, 
Yes, I had had a spiritual experience. Yes, I admitted complete defeat. But I had not had the experience in my personal life of loss, of success, of gain, of family being there, family passing away, illness, financial problems, uh, financial gains. I've had wonderful things happen sober. I've had horrible things happen sober, and I've just had daily life and the ups and downs that occur. And I've had all these years of experience of how quickly or slowly am I going to turn to God with this. Do you have, you know, there's that that piece in the big book that talks about, you know, what you do on the 11th step, it's, I think it's 86 and 87, if I'm not mistaken, right? Talks about what to do when you wake up in the morning, talks about what to do when you go to bed at night. And, you know, different people have different experiences with this. You know, I, I have actually done those just to make sure that I try it that way. I don't do it exactly that way anymore. But what's been your experience with that and how the big book lays it out? Well, the big change for me has been in the past few years, step 11. And you know this because I text message you my step 11 on occasion. For many years, I did what my sponsor told me to do. And it was effective. And that was I would run through my day at the end of the day, I would kind of do a gut check as I went chronologically through my day over maybe a 30 to 40 second second thought process before I thank God for my sobriety. And I would try to remember things that might cause me angst. And when I did, I would try to remember, well, what happened? Was I too sharp with that person? Was I, was I unappreciative? Was I, was I rude to someone? Did someone treat me in a way that made me feel less than? You know, the stuff that gives you the gut, you know, that feeling in your stomach. And I would just kind of do a gut check like that. So about four years ago, three years ago, I started doing more of a somewhat regular. I mean, there's some weeks that I do it two or three times. There's some months I only do it two or three times, um, the the written inventory. I had never done that before. Okay, so you mentioned that app, right? It's just so people will know what you're talking about and what you send over. Yeah, it's called My Spiritual Toolkit. There's a little ad for them. It's, I got it for free, but I got it a long time ago. I didn't even know it was on my phone, but this the woman that I was seeing and ended up, ended up marrying used it every night, and I looked at my phone, and I already owned it. So it was there all the time. Um, and so the app just goes through the questions that are in step 11 in, in, in the nightly review. I always cut of that as kind of 10th stepping, but you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to call it, you call it. And for those of who may not be familiar with what's in the 11th step in the big book, it says things like, uh, were we resentful? Do we owe an apology? Yeah, you when know? we retire at night, you know, where, where, uh, what did we do to, did we pack things into the stream of life? You know, that type of thing. It, that, as positives and negatives. And here's where the loss was for me in that. I spent a lot of time in my sobriety thinking about how I didn't do things well. A lot of my step work was around negative thinking. It was about my inability to keep my mouth shut and how I needed to go back and make amends for that. It was about my inability not to keep my wallet in my pocket when I saw something that I really wanted but I couldn't afford. It was a, a lot about my inability. And I think that there you know, when you're talking about life becoming unmanageable, a lot of that is about inability. 
What I missed out on for really 20 years of my sobriety was looking at all of the things that I was doing for other people every single day. And it's not to, you know, pad my ego, it's to have a recognition of what I'm doing with my life. It's to see your balance. Right, and I didn't see that. All I really looked at was what was wrong with me, and then I thank God for keeping me sober. Kind of like the message I was giving myself is even though I failed at all these things, God kept me sober today, which is 100% true. But it did not in any way take into account all those sponsees I worked with, all those telephone calls I took, all of those kind things I did for other people and didn't talk about it to anyone else because I really didn't want to. You know, I didn't see myself as the decent person that AA had made me. I only really saw myself as a flawed man. You know, at some point, we're going to have to come do an episode just on sponsorship because you have... I would say more than anybody I know personally, uh, you have sponsored a multitude of men in this program, and some women, yep. uh, and uh, we're going to have to come back and address just that. But uh, That the, has been an unbelievable... You know, I was thinking of that coming over today. I wasn't sure exactly what we were going to talk about today, and it, it, we will need to talk about that for a while, because, you know, the thing about Step 11... You, you talk about improving conscious contact with God. An enormous part of my change over the past, you know, 20 years of my sobriety, probably the biggest single change inside of me has been my ability to see some of these, these strengths that I have gotten out of weakness, you know, it's kind of like inspiration through desperation and taking into account the inspiration that's happened. Let me give you an example. I had a situation occur in my financial life about a year and a half ago. Um, it was it was something that was going to be coming. It was not an unofficial thing that I made up in my head. This wasn't false events appearing real. This was actual events that were coming, and I was being warned about them, where I was just going to have a significant portion of my income removed from my life. And I stayed up at night for several nights thinking, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? How am I going to care for the people who depend on me? How am I going to stay in the home I'm in? How am I going to, you know, a lot of that. How, how am I going to cope with this? How am I going to cope with this? And I'm at a meeting. This is probably last, probably October or November of 2018. And I'm at a meeting and there's a newcomer at the meeting, you know, brand new. And they're sharing about that footprints in the sand thing. And they're sharing about it kind of like that lady at my NA group back in the 80s, real, like this is the first time they've ever heard of this, you know? You know, when I looked back and and I saw that God was carrying me and they're getting real dramatic and I'm thinking, oh gosh. And, and all of a sudden it occurred to me that I had not even considered that God had done so much for me in my life in ways that I had never dreamt. Like if you would have told me in August of 1993 that I would stay sober over 26 years and never have the craving or compulsion or obsession to use or drink, I would have thought you were crazy. I didn't think that was possible. I, I genuinely thought that I would find a way to white-knuckle the rest of my life without drugs and alcohol. If you would have told me all of the beautiful things that have happened with my family, with my friends, with my sponsees, with my AA groups, with, with the world around me, the, the wonderful opportunities I've had, if you would have told me that would have come out of my darkest, deepest failures, that the things about me that I was the most ashamed of would turn into my greatest assets— I would not have been able to conceive of that. And yet here I sat 
a year and a half ago in this room with this newcomer sharing about footprints in the sand. And all of a sudden I realized, David, this situation with a percentage of your income isn't going to define what your life is like. What's going to define what your life is like is, is my willingness to turn my will and my life over to care of God. And does that mean I have to do, don't have to do footwork? Of course it doesn't mean that. It means that I have to do footwork trusting that God is going to take care of me. And so, we, when, again, we go back to that question you ask, what does it mean to have your conscious contact improve? Sometimes my conscious contact improves when a newcomer reminds me of a very basic fact, and that is God did for me what I never imagined could be done for me in my life just by turning my will over to this program. Talk about the term meditation, in other words, People hear that, right? And they think meditate to levitate. They think of Eastern religion. There's all sorts of connotations that are built up around that word. But when you, I mean, do you actually sit down? You know, I, I remember like when I first got sober, I would like look at a candle and, you know, go through all this stuff. It's not how I do it anymore. But do you actually go through that physical process of pure meditation? Or do you kind of, blend it in with a prayer, if you will. So both. It depends where I am. You know, I travel for a living. So all of my meditation books, my big book, my 12 and 12, Around the Year with Emmett Fox, Daily Reflections, those are all on my phone. And I access them every day and read them. So that part of my meditation, I do believe reading is part of meditation. I believe reading or listening in an AA meeting and trying to focus in on what people are saying to kind of, to you know, I can't shut off my mind. I don't believe in that. I'm not saying that other people can't, but it's not what I make an effort to do. What I make an effort to do is no matter what's going on in my mind, to focus on the present. And if it's a person's voice at a meeting sharing and I'm struggling, I just focus on their voice. Um, if I'm reading my, my meditation books, I focus on what I'm reading to the best of my ability. Are there times that I finish reading Daily Reflections and I have no idea what I just read? Yes, I hear because you. I'm human and I have noise in my head. Um, but when I'm at home, which is half the time, I still have a fish tank. And a part of my meditation is I sprinkle the flakes in the water. I'm usually alone in the kitchen in the morning by myself. And I sit and quietly watch the flakes float down. And I try to focus on, I guess, life and, and being at peace and my breathing. You know, that's a big deal for me is I, if I have trouble quieting my mind, I can never quiet it, but I can focus on the sound of my breath. So I do what I think are different forms of meditation. Um, I was in a meditation class a couple weeks ago uh, that we were holding for some of the guys, and um, and it was for 30 minutes. And with this person directing me, and he was doing something with this bowl, he would like make these wah-wah sounds with it and right. then hit the thing, and we'd listen to the vibrations. And I mean, the time passed like I couldn't believe. Now, my caveat to this whole thing I just said is I was the guy that came to AA for quite a while and said, I just can't meditate. I just can't do it. I can't quiet my mind. And and again, it's like that first question, what's the difference between being one year sober and 26 years sober is 25 years of trying. Right. <laughs> I like how you said you had the guy making wah-wah sounds. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Right. Wah, wah. <laughs> I doubt it. And then he hits it and you're right. like, whoa. <laughs> I doubt that's how he would describe it, but I, but <laughs> oh, I get the idea. He probably would. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 
So that fish tank has been a constant in your life. It That's is. very interesting. And it's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about this as I was speaking just now, is those fish totally rely on me. They rely on me to keep their water clean. They rely on me to watch out for diseases. They certainly rely on me for food. It's a reef tank, so I've got to put all different types of additives so that they have calcium and strontium and all these different things so that not only can they survive the fish, but the wildlife around them that they live in. I mean, it is a complex little ecosystem in my house, and in a way... I am the god of their understanding. I'm sure they think of that when my hand comes in the water and starts pulling rocks around. And so, you know, there is, I don't know if it's a god complex. I understand. But the beauty of that aquarium, I have responsibility for, you know? Yeah. So maybe that's tied to it. I don't know. I didn't think about it till just now. But, uh, you know, but maybe we're all just living in an aquarium, you know? God taps some food in there and watches us. Um, what do you think about the 11-step prayer? You know, well, I guess we, we in AA we call it the 11-step prayer. prayer. Other people just call it uh, the St. Francis So that's prayer. on the wall in my room, and I read it when I need it. And that's somewhat regularly. It depends. So I consider that somewhat of a way for me to look at what I would call conflict situations situations where I either feel conflicted or I'm in conflict with another person. Um, and it really helps guide me in my behavior and in my thinking. Um, so I read that often. I probably read it like the whole prayer through from that picture on my wall two to three times a week minimum. It's almost like shooting for perfection. I get it, you know, and I, you know, it's like, I'm never going to reach it completely. Mm -hmm. But when I read, you know, like to bring harmony where there's discord and uh, all of that is, uh, you're right. You can use it in emotionally stressful situations to where it doesn't seem like um, there is a way out, so to speak. Well, to me, I would more describe it Rather than perfection, I would describe it as instead of copying an attitude, going to God for the right attitude. Because mm. even when I read it, even when I act that way, those situations don't always work to everyone's best. You know, my behavior is only part of the world. The world around me is doing its own thing. And I can walk away where I've acted very well in a situation and be very disappointed and been very hurt because just people are grabbing for what they can grab in the world sometimes. But I can tell you when I go into those situations and I have looked at that to be the basis for my attitude, I don't typically have to turn around and walk back and make amends to people, which mm. let's face it, no matter how long you're sober, there are a few things worse than making amends to people that you're really agitated with. So I've got kind of a uh, a question that is um, hard to answer, so to speak. It may not be for you, but I think about this sometimes, and that is I get out into my head and I think, why do we pray? Why do I pray? Have you ever considered that question? I think it's about humility. What do you I really mean do. It? You know, we there's a little joke in AA, if you think you're humble, you're not. And I don't really think that's a very funny joke. I think it's a way that people cop out of talking seriously about what humility is. Um, that humility is somewhat of a submission to something bigger than me. 
And, and to submit to something that's bigger than me is a recognition that I need something that's bigger than me. Mm. And so to me, prayer is just an act of that submission. I remember in like the third Indiana Jones, he had this test with this knight, and it said only the penitent man will pass. And right at the last moment, Indiana Jones realized that a penitent man was on his knees and dropped to his knees as the sword swung over his head, which would have ah, cut his head off. Yeah. And it really is that, you know, in, in life, being penitent, being, uh, you know, having a recognition that of my incapability to really be successful without help is really for me what prayer is about. I don't, I'm going to say something that I I hope doesn't make anyone like never want to listen to us talk again. I I don't always believe necessarily in a God, a God of the concept of, you know, some power outside of the, you know, running the universe kind of thing. Sometimes my definitions, you know, there's a great line in the the big book, it's uh, in chapter four, it says, do not let any prejudice you have against spiritual terms honestly Uh, keep you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. And the word God, in my view, is a very spiritual term. And my view and my definition of God changes from day to day and month to month and year to year. Um, My action toward God and toward, you know, acknowledging my need for help is expressed in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's expressed in me shooting you a text. Sometimes it's one in the morning and I can't sleep and I go on that app and I do an inventory and I send that inventory to you so I at least know I'm not alone with my thoughts. And, uh, And then I'm able to go to sleep because I have made that act of submission. And my unwillingness to submit to whatever power's out there, and some days it is God, some days it's a God of the church, some days it's a God of, you know, kind of Wiccan, you know, of nature and, and that type of thing. It's, it's been ever-changing through the years, but my behavior toward that power, toward that need for help, I think is one of the reasons that I've gotten to stay sober as long as I have. I don't walk around thinking that I'm better than the instructions of Alcoholics Anonymous. I love it. Okay, something I want to mention before we wrap up here is that, um, in fact, I meant to do it on the beginning of this. I probably will on the uh, introduction, as we call it, (laughs) Um, is that you are scheduled to be on, to be the guest of honor, I guess as we call it, uh, for our Sober Speak Live event on June 5th. Do I have that right? June 5th? Yes. Do I remember that? It's a Friday yes. night. Yes. It's on my calendar and I'm already obsessed <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'm, laughs> with nerves. Oh, you're going to do just fine. I'm I know you will. It'll be fun. Yeah. So you got to see. So is work- that a video thing too? No, it's not a video. Okay, good. But the reason we don't do, I could do a video. Right. But out of respect for the traditions of Alcoholics right. Anonymous, we, you, we now we do stream the audio yeah. in the Facebook live group so they can hear uh, what you were doing in okay, the, just, the super secret I, That's Facebook a relief. Group. I feel, yeah. I just ratcheted back my nervousness. <laughs> But why you? You are a <laughs> you never know. Man? I might have a bad hair day or no, something. It'll totally no. ruin the spiritual deal. <laughs> no, in fact, I, I struggled with that. You know, I've I've had to. You know, we live in a new world. Oh yeah. And here I am doing this podcast, as you know, trying to wrestle with the 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 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. and how to best respect them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very careful with image. You know, I I would absolutely the. the 
To me, like if I were Bill Wilson in his early days, I would take 10 pictures of you right now uh, while we're doing this and put them on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. I, right. But but for me, it's just, you know, I... And I, it can be very controversial. It can. It can. I've dealt with some controversy on Facebook and not in no way meant to raise anyone's hackles, mm-hmm. but have done that. And I would just rather not add to the controversy of the right. world. Right. And well, and here's the thing. There are some, there's some gray areas and uh, people see them in different ways. But if I don't have a clear conscience on my end, and if I don't feel very comfortable about it, uh, I just kind of... Uh, I, I I don't move forward with that. Right. Okay. Uh, and in fact, the first one, you don't know this, but I was going to stream the video in the secret Facebook group. I figured, well, it's just in the secret Facebook group. Mm-hmm. People who are in there, you know, have wanted to be there, and uh, they can get it. They they can see what's going on during the event. Um, and then I actually ended up talking to Brenda J about this. Uh, we had some conversation about it, and uh, um, I just didn't. And then after that, I didn't feel she didn't say don't do it or do it, um, but she raised some she raised some some good questions. I'll put it that way. And so we ended up uh, saying, okay, no, we're not going to do the video. We're just going to do the audio because you know people can take screenshots, they could do whatever they want, right. and there's some way they could get that video out there. And I and I just didn't want that happening. So anyway, so. Didn't mean to go June off 5th. on a rabbit trail, but David G, the David G, <laughs> will be there on June Yes, indeed, 5th. the David G, that one. <laughs> and that's going to be uh, in uh, Frisco, Texas. So we'll have information on our website, but looking forward to it. All right, <clears throat> let me go ahead and wrap it up here with anything you want to say before we... No, okay. this was great. This I needed this today. Thank you. <laughs> you. We had a little conversation about that before we started, and I needed it today catharsis. as well. Yes, a catharsis. That's right. Uh, page one sixty four from the Big Book says, "Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you." in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and David G., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. People, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you once again, Mr. David G., for all of your insights. And uh, once again, if anybody would like to get a message over to David or any of the other guests that we have on the podcast, feel free to write to me at John J O H N S overspeak.com. And I will be more than happy to relay that message. All right. Now for a little bit of listener de la feedback, Erin writes in, she says, hi, John. Thank you. I live in Point Loma Ocean Beach area. Man, that's a that's a mouthful right there. We have a great recovery here, but I am 62 and my hubby is 69 and we are staying in. And she's referring to the uh, quarantine that we are uh, under here in the United States. So 
<clears throat> I am listening to a podcast during my regular AA meeting times starting yesterday. I have seven plus years of sobriety after about four years of knowing and trying. As Yoda says, do or do not there is no try. I am 100% in. Well, I think that's the first quote we've had from Yoda on Sober Speak here. My 29-year-old daughter a couple of months ago told me I would like podcasts. I started with some new ones, The Daily, CNN, etc., and Googled wellness, sobriety, meditation, etc. Your podcast was listed as one of the best for sobriety, so I subscribed. Well, I don't know who's doing those recommendations, but I'm glad they did. Anyway, I found I liked the shorter ones, so I don't listen until yesterday that I, I didn't listen until yesterday when I decided to stay home from my group, my home group, 40 to 50 people, no, no social distance is possible. So I picked the one on step one, two, and three, really liked it. So jumped on Instagram and Facebook. We'll definitely listen more as we are staying in for the time being. Thank you for all your service. Any other podcast that you like? All the best, Aaron. Well, you know, I actually referred her over to the Recovery Show. It's one of my favorites. Uh, uh, it is a, a an Al-Anon uh, based podcast, but I, I think he uh, Spencer does a, just an incredible job over there. <clears throat> She wrote back, she said she'd actually been listening to that anyway. <laughs> anyway, Lisa H writes in and Lisa says, Hi, John, my sobriety date is March 18th, 2018. I live in Dutchess County, New York, New York, and I have a group and a sponsor, and I am a sponsor. I listen to your podcast on Podbean during my commute, and they are my meetings when I can't get to a meeting. That's great, Miss Lisa Age. That's exactly what I intended this thing to be. They are great. Thank you for your service. We are in a state of emergency here in downstate New York. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and many meetings are being canceled, but People are starting to set up meetings via Zoom. Yes, I'm aware of that. The Archdiocese of New York even canceled Saturday and Sunday masses. I am looking for online virtual ways to stay connected during this time. My friends and I had a big book meeting over FaceTime on Sunday night, which worked out well. We are planning a step meeting tonight, just trying to stay sane during all this insanity all while transitioning to work at home, homeschooling mom who is living sober and free. I lost my but my brother and best friend to suicide when he was five and a half months sober, which taught me there really isn't anything that I can take that I can't tackle sober. My best is stay well, Lisa H. We'll ride back out to you, Miss Lisa H. My best, and you stay well as, as well. There's too many wells in there, but you get the point. Nonetheless, Curry writes in and he says, John M., I just wanted to thank you again. Sober Speak got me through some really depressing time this weekend. I mean, really dark stuff. Your show, especially Gary Kay, is an on-demand life preserver that I cherish sincerely. God bless, Curry. Well, Curry, my friend, thank you for writing in, and I'm glad 
that we can help be part of your journey or that we can be part of your journey. And I sent your message on to Gary Kay, and he was oh so appreciative of that. Rebecca writes in, oh, Rebecca the Kiwi. Hello, Rebecca the Kiwi. She says, Kia Ora John. Gotta love that Kiwi invasion. (laughs) She's referencing a Kiwi invasion that I talked about last week because we have so many Kiwis, not the shoe polish, but the Kiwi, the people from the country of New Zealand. Anyway, uh, she said, we would love to see you here in New Zealand one day, smiley face. Well, you know, I would love to come to old New Zealand one day and I just may make it over there. Anyway, she said, I love the podcast with Bill C. He put into words what uh, I have experienced step three. Na mihi, Rebecca. Rebecca, am I uh, saying it right that time? Uh, it's an NGA. I used to say naga mihi. And I think she wrote me back and said the uh, G is silent, if I am not mistaken. Hey, I'm, I'm pretty soon I'm going to be an honorary Kiwi. Nonetheless, uh, anyway, the podcast that she's referring to is the one right before this one. It's called BC, BC, Bill C. Step 3 in Alcoholics Anonymous. If you haven't heard it, I would go back and listen to it. It is fantastic. Chris H. writes in and he says, My name is Chris and I am an alcoholic. With an exclamation point at the, at the end of it, <laughs> just in case uh, we didn't get it. He says, in the grips of fear and powerlessness of what's going on in today's life. Many people can relate to that, Chris. My sponsor suggested your spot, your podcast. Well, you have a very, very brilliant sponsor, I must say. Anyway, he says, I am so grateful for your talk with Gary Kay on the 10th step to bring me back to right here and right now. Thank you for your service and thank you for, thank you for thinking of me today. Your friend of Bill's, Chris H. Well, thank you, Chris H. And say hello to your sponsor for me. Bob writes in and Bob says, John, my sobriety date is May 18th, 2019. I am 66 years of age. If you put those two dates together with when I fur, when I started using and drinking, that makes me sick. That makes me about 16 with 15, 50 years of experience. I get it. My first effort at sobriety, followed by many sincere efforts before finally really surrendering and letting God handle it. It was sometime about 1992. I discovered Sober Speak sometime last September or so while seeking out sources of information and inspiration. Well, good. I'm glad we qualify that I could listen to between meetings. Since then, I have listened to many, sometimes just parts of episodes, though I inexplicably and without any real reason stopped listening a couple of months ago. Well, let's not do that anymore, Mr. Bob. He says, the current social distancing and subsequent meeting cancellations inspired me to return to Sober Speak and to actually join the secret Facebook group instead of simply being an outsider looking in. Well, 
we're so glad you were there. Not an outsider looking in anymore, Mr. Bob T. He says, Gary Kay is one of my favorites. Just love his voice and his wisdom. But John, you really have developed a marvelous, marvelous talent for calling out the spirit in all of your guests in a meaningful way. And that constantly amazes and resonates and inspires. Well, thank you, Mr. Bob. I appreciate it. I did pass your comments on the way to Mr. Gary Kay, and he was most appreciative. And anyway, Bob says, please keep up the good work. God bless. Gratefully, Bob T. from Grand Rapids, Ohio, Saturday night, AA. And I am just assuming that that is Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. It just said Ohio. (laughs) Oh, well, I'll just keep trying. Anyway, uh, thank you, Bob. And if anybody else is listening from the Grand Rapids, Ohio, Saturday night AA group, will you please give Bob my best and tell him you heard him on, heard of him on Silver Speak. Scott P. writes in from Canada. He is a Canuck. Wait a sec. You know what? Okay, so I'm saying that word Canuck. I don't really know. I remember it used to be used back in the 80s and 90s, but I don't know. I'm sure somebody will tell me because I always get these emails if I go uh, off tracks a little too much. I hope that I'm not using it as a derogatory word. It doesn't seem like it's a derogatory word. I think it's just somebody, to, some way to describe somebody from Canada. But nonetheless, uh, uh, Scott is from Canada. And he wrote in and he said, Hello, I live in McMurray, Alberta. Attended treatment in 1996. It was a 14-month program, and I was sober for approximately a year and a half, and then I went back to drinking for a long time. Then, approximately 12 years ago, I left, and I made a decision to go back to the go back to the rooms, and I haven't had a drink or drug since. I was searching out and found your podcast a few years ago, but now with the virus, <laughs> he's got some sort of little emoji for a virus. It looks like a little piece of blue bacteria. I'd never seen that before, but I'm sure there's all kinds of virus emojis nowadays. Anyway, but now with the virus going on around Uh, Most meetings in my area are closed, so I began listening to the cast, and they have been helping me maintain some sort of sense of sanity. Scott P. Well, thank you, Scott P. from Canada for writing in. I sure do appreciate it, and stay well out there, my friend. Sean DMs me on the IG, and if you're not hip and with it, like moi, that means Sean direct messaged me on the application called Instagram. And Sean said, I've been listening to your work for the last month or so, and I've fallen in love. Oh, man. Well, I don't really consider it my work. I I, I guess it is. I don't know. whether It's just me getting on a mic and, and coordinating this thing. But anyway, he says, I'm using my daily AA emails and the podcast and correlating to it. Thank you for your service and keep up the great work. I've been suggesting you to anyone that will listen. I'm 8.75 months without a drop of alcohol, and I'm so grateful. I was allowed to share my story at my home group 
on the 1st of March, I started out by talking about your podcast, John, and how in Texas they give their second birthday along with their name. That's great. And what he means by second birthday is, in other words, we say, my name's John M. I'm an alcoholic and my sobriety date is May 29th of 1989. And uh, I don't think they do that in all areas of the country. We've talked about this before, but it's not like we're bragging down here in Texas. We just want to make sure that people know that sobriety is possible and see that this thing called Alcoholics Anonymous can work in people's lives. Susan DMs me on the Insta and she said, love your podcast. Big capital letters, love. That's why I said it like that. Anyway, she says, I'm a member of AA sober since July of 2000. 2013 and a member of Al-Anon for the past year. We are in Santa Cruz, California. By the way, the number one listen to, or the, num- the the state that is number one in listening to the Sober Speak podcast is California. So hello, all you Californians out there. It was Texas when I first started this for, I guess, for obvious reasons. I just knew uh, quite a few people in the area, but that has slowly and surely shifted to the great state of California. But anyway, she says, we are in Santa Cruz, California and are now under the shelter in. So no in-person meetings are going on. It's such a strange time. I hear you, Susan. All of us trying to figure out the online meetings. Anyway, listening to the podcast almost daily for support. Praise God for sobriety, my loving marriage and adult kids, one who is eight months sober and that we have a, uh, and that we have a solution. Blessings. Ah, oh, very well put, Miss Susan. And uh, I'm glad we can serve as a, uh, uh, like I said, meeting in between meetings. We'll all get back there eventually. Uh, but uh, today, uh, this is where we are. So anyway, God bless you. John T writes in and John says, hi, I was a 30 year, sl- I was in a 30 year slow decline to the abyss of alcoholism. The gas on the fire was when I started to work from home six years ago and I could drink without constraint. Culminating is drinking two vodkas every two hours for 12 hours. I struggled for a long time admitting to be an alcoholic, no DWIs, never lost my job, marriage was not in trouble, money was great, did not go to bars, no crash cars, etc. How can I be alcoholic? But, in big bold letters, I knew. I was in trouble and I went to my doctor who helped to save my life. But she said, before I went to AA, I must go to Carrollton Springs to detox safely and not risk a stroke at the age of 66, which I did. I went to my first AA meeting ever on February 25th of 2019 and I got my one year chip last month. I have listened to almost all of the Sober Speak podcast. I have listened to the podcasts that relate to the steps I was on, 8, 9, 10, 11, and I enjoy David G and Brenda J. Who does not? I will keep listening. Thanks, John. Signed, John. All right, everybody. That's another week down. I think we're going to be doing this again. 
next week. I always say I'm a week at a time. Just like we have one day at a time, I'll show up when I can and how I can. God bless you all. Stay safe. Stay well out there. Remember, I'm thinking of you. I love you. And I'll talk to you probably next week.